You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 237 of the Black Eagles podcast. And I am, of course, your host, Sinan Schwartem, live from New York City, as per usual, where the summer has officially set in, the weather is hot and sticky, Right? I think that's a global phenomenon these days. We're all going through heat waves of various sorts. And just like we are experiencing it in the weather, our dear club Besiktas is... Things are getting a little hot and sticky over there too. Um, Obviously the big news of the week prior to our friendly against Wolverhampton was that Ridvan Yilmaz ended up peacing out. He's gone. Four million up front, two and a quarter million in bonuses, 20% sell-on fee, right, from his next, wherever he goes next, assuming he does well. Right, it's worth noting Rangers just sold their last left back, the reason they needed Rydvan, for like 22 and a half million euros, so like, there's a precedent there, right? But anyway, Rydvan's gone. And <clears throat> what that means is we have a whole, in theory, created in his position uh, and the guys on the squad would have a chance to see if they could step up and, and fill in that position uh, against Wolverhampton and so those are basically the topics of this episode Operation is in effect as of right now that's right um, and because this is our first like moment issue if you will problem of the summer I've put out the bat signal, or the, the eagle signal. Actually, our logo would make a hell of a bat signal, I feel like. We, we need to get the engineering team on that, but um, I put up a signal of sorts, and I got our two most trusted pundits, if you will, to um, send in messages about their thoughts regarding the situation at left wing back. Um, because Ridvan Yilmaz left, Right there was the question of first, like, can Umut Medash step up and fill that role? And a lot of people were very doubtful. I had always been fairly hopeful that he could actually do so, that we wouldn't really need to invest anyway, even if we sold the Ridvan. Um, yeah, basically, um, we'll talk about what happened against Wolverhampton, you know, how our defense looked, how our team looked in general. I guess before I get into any spoilers, but so yeah, you know, basically that that's like the setup for where the team was going into the match. They'd run out, this big question mark about what would happen next. Um, and I'm not gonna go too crazy with the uh, the match itself. Um, it doesn't feel like something I need to spend a ton of time on because I think most of us know how it went already. It wasn't our finest hour, but. Even beyond that, I mean, what I will obviously do is go through the, the basic aspects of the match, you know, who who played and all that. Of course, the match was on Saturday, July 23rd, so it's been a couple of days since. So some folks, you know, may have uh, forgotten some of the details. Even still, I'm not going to go over them. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just don't want to rehash this one. I'm not particularly keen to. I'll just lay it out as it was. Like, first of all, going into the match, lineups. We had Ersin in goal. But on the back line, right, with, with Romain Saiz still not ready to come back. Montero out. Short-term injury, we hope. We haven't heard many details on that. But I, I, I think we can assume that when, when that's the case. 
But so as such, we would have a sort of a, a, a very much makeshift backline. Najib Wissau, Wellington, and Valentin Rosier would make up the three central defenders. Umut Merash, the left wing back. Tyler Boyd, the right wing back. Jedson Fernandes alongside Sali Uchan. And then Rashid Ghazal behind Jackson Muleka and Vout Veghorst. Or perhaps Jackson Muleka on the left side with Rashid Ghazal on the right side and Veghorst in the middle. Uh, that seems to be something he's shifting depending on how he feels. I, I think he played with the two guys up front though and Ghazal behind them in this match. Uh, anyway, since I'm not going to really go into too much detail on the match itself, I can just sort of say straight up that it, this was not a good match. And it's a shame, in fact, because for the first 20 minutes we came out and we looked not just better, but dominant. We were playing a great brand of football, we were kind of doing the pressing we need to see us do. Not quite enough from the wingbacks going forward. You know, Tyler Boyd was not bad, I'll, I'll say, as on the right side, but Umut Merash was thoroughly lacking. And again, right, I've been his defender this whole time. I've been the, the Umut Merash, like he can turn it around, he just has to sort of mentally, you know, adjust to, to, to positioning himself more forward, being more willing to go forward and press up high, right? That's the most important aspect of, the, of them getting forward, is applying pressure so we can move the lines and shift them when we want to. And I'll talk about the, the tactics and stuff in a moment, but um, yeah, Umut Merash really struggled. You know, he's really shown that he's more of a left back, doesn't really have that wing back instinct. Fine, it's not the end of the world. It happens. We might need to make a move, right? Like that's, that's I think, the big takeaway from this. And it's probably good that we came, came away with it. You know, still two matches left uh, in the preseason. You know, this is the Turkish League, right? We always have transfers coming up until the last day of the window, so. It's not like a terrible disaster for us to figure this out now. Of course, there was a question mark. Does Reed Van Gogh, does he not? Um, we, we all kind of assumed he would. But after the Eintracht Frankfurt thing came down, I mean, I said it on here. I think a lot of the other guys who have come on have said the same. We all kind of hoped he would stick around. Obviously, it was wishful thinking, and that's borne out. We all know for a fact that that was the case. But for what it was worth, right? Like, it's okay to have, <laughs> I think we were all in the same camp. Perhaps the board was too. And then when that offer came in, it was again like six and a quarter with, with, with a pretty good sell-on fee after and all that, a percentage cut. I think it was kind of the offer, an offer you couldn't really refuse. Um, so I'm not gonna go over all the highlights. Like I said, 20 minutes, maybe even 25 minutes, we really looked the better side. Um, even despite the fact that in the 15th minute, Raul Jimenez would score with no assist because Nejib would be the assister, or perhaps Ersin. Um, bad back pass from Nejib. Ersin doesn't do well with it at all. Kind of panics. I think it's like early in the match, we've been. They, they, that, the, we haven't seen much of the ball on the back. You know, we've been pressing forward, like I was saying. And so the, I think the, it's kind of a brain fart, caught off guard. Being a bit lackadaisical, luckily it's a friendly. You can get away with that, sort of. But anyway, Erickson sort of switches off. Raul Jimenez nicks the ball off him, slides it into the back of the net with ease, and they are now winning one to nil, despite the fact that it's against the run of play. Uh, but the second one, about three or four, five, maybe five minutes before their second goal, is when the, the match would turn. And sure enough, in the 29th minute, Daniel Podence, Portuguese player, uh, would put the ball in the back of the net. This was actually just a lovely ball. Um, in the build-up to it, Wellington was nutmegged, uh, kind of embarrassingly, if we're going to be 100% honest, too. Uh, it is what it is, but, um, you know, one little mistake you'd think that wouldn't necessarily be the end-all be-all but sure enough like uh, a hell of a shot from distance from kind of just the edge of the penalty box uh, the assist goes to Ryan Ait Nuri 
who um, is a French left back. It's ironic. It's a left back that would that would he. This kid really impressed. I, I think most of the people in the old group chat thought so too. Evron was raving about him. Everyone remembers Evron from the podcast. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Ait Nuri was really solid. Uh, he's credited with the assist. He also, I think, is the guy who nutmegged Wellington. Uh, that, I don't know if a lot of people noticed, perhaps, but yeah, sure enough, very much led up to the goal. I've always said, for me, Wellington is the big question on the back line. But anyway, 35th minute, uh, Jimenez would come off for Den Donker. 40th minute, Neto, a goal. In this case, like the team switched up. I think a lot of people thought he was offside. Neto sort of dances around Ersin and puts it in the back and that. Perhaps Ersin could have done better. He like dived for the ball a little too early and Neto just sort of pulls it back out of his reach and then dribbles around him. But Ersin should have also not been left alone to the extent that he was. I think either, it was either Wellington or Nejip who, who left his man onside. Um, like all alone, right? The whole, the rest of the team had shifted. So I think it might've been Nedjit, but I mean, yeah. Makeshift back line, and this is what you get, right? Uh, and so yeah, basically that was it. Before the end of the half, Vout Vekhorst and Joao Moutinho would each get yellow cards. Um, honestly, I think Vekhorst shouldn't have. He just kind of like gave a dirty look, whereas Moutinho gave a dirty foul and like squared up with Vekhorst, you know, so. I don't think it's like for like, but whatever. Halftime, Emirhan Yilkan would come on for Sali Uchan. Ozan Akun would come on for Umut Merash, and that's right. Ozan Akun, who was a striker for as long as I knew of him as a prospect, came in as a left wing back. Crazy, but yeah, there it is. 55th minute, Ruben Neves. The, the Portuguese Wolverhampton connection is well known. Um, guys, you listeners out there aren't aware, now you are. Um, 56 minutes, Emre Bilgin would come on for Ersin Destanolu, Georges Kevin Unkudu on for Vout Veghorst, and Jenk Tosun on for Jackson Muleka. 68th minute, a yellow card for Wellington, which is, you know, kind of how it goes. 64th minute, uh, Cody came in for Kilman for them. Uh, 71st minute, Emirhan Delibash would enter the match for Rashid Gezal, Berkay, Bardar, on for Wellington. 76th minute, Kondul on for Neto, for them. Uh, 79th minute, Kartal Kaira Yomans on for Jetson Fernandez. So, you know, good, good, good look there. I think Kartal is basically the third option now behind. Sali Uchan and Emirhan, and with Joseph out, he could get some playing time, honestly. Um, so it's good to see him getting some playing time here. And also, Emrejan Uzunhan would enter the match, number 24, he took Domagos Vida's number. Uh, he would come on for Tyler Boyd. So, you know, everything switching around, Fountain Ozier back out to the right side, you know, etc., etc. But um, Cody, yellow card for them in the 85th. Corbeanu on for Collins in the 86th. Lawson Griffiths on for Moutinho. Bueno on for Nevish. Lembikisa on for Podence. Ronan on for Castro. Hodge on for Ait Nuri. And Mosqueda on for Gibbs White. All of that in the 86th minute. So that's actually an important note. They didn't really like go to their bench until almost the very end of the match. Which says a couple of things. It says that they are deep enough into their preseason that they're playing their full team all match, right? And sure enough, this is their one, two, three, four. This was their fifth, fifth, and they've actually had a sixth already preseason match. So, you know, they're, they're playing their whole squad out there for much of this match. And the reason that's important to know is because the second half for us was actually much better. Um, we were much more cohesive. We played more the way we would want to, like not quite minds, right? That was our high point this preseason so far. But at a, at a high enough level, that's like, okay, you know, w what are the changes that we've made here, right? And so Emir Han coming on for Sally was one, which wasn't decisive. I actually thought Sally did a pretty decent job in the first half. 
Um, but I think the, the sort of very noteworthy sort of substitution was Ozan Akun coming on for Umut Merash as the left wing back. And the reason that's significant is because, you know, this is the hole we talked about that Edvon created by leaving. I'm not mad at him, whatever, it is what it is. But this hole that was created was not shored up, right? Ozan Akun is, I don't think, he's not the solution. But just having someone willing to play higher up the pitch, to press higher up the pitch, he like showed some deficiencies coming back. But one of the strengths of that three-man back line is you can kind of afford for that, especially if it's just happening on one side and not both, right? So um, just having that intent on that side, you know, rather than Ut Merash, whose inclination is to come back and stay back and, and not overcommit to attack, ever. <laughs> you know, he's too cautious, we could say. Uh, just showed that like that's a problem. Umut Merash is not the solution, which means we do not have the solution currently at left wing back. Which means we're we're back to the transfer market, and it it's in a sense our first crisis. It is not a real crisis. It, this is kind of what's supposed to happen in a transfer window. Uh, it's only a, a quote unquote crisis because up until now everything has been such smooth sailing, right? We got the whole team in way sooner than we typically do. They are all, they're all getting matches under their uh, under their feet here, right? Like they're getting their, their stamina levels up, their, their uh, camaraderie and all that, traveling and, and working together as a unit in Austria and Spain now, right? So it's not a giant crisis. We just need to get a player. It's unfortunate we don't have the solution in, in-house, right? But it's not like atypical. And it's not a giant problem. We just kind of need to get get with it. And the good news is that because Ridvan Yilmaz has been on the cusp of leaving for so long, we kind of have a list already, right? There's Bingo from Alaniaspor, who, um, you know, I don't know if he's he's the solution. Frankly, I don't I don't think he is the solution. Typhoon Bingo is 29 years old, a late bloomer. For Alanisport, right? I mentioned this before, he's only just come on the radar. It's fine if we bring him in, if we can get him for fair, like for relatively little. Um, and he's not like the guy we're going to as a starter, right? He's it's great to have depth, it's great to have a Turk, right? We've had like old Jai Shahan in the past, like you know, they don't have to be young, they can still be helpful. Um, but you're not trying to get him and say he's the solution because we know his limitations, I guess we could say, right. <laughs> Um, so first of all, like, let's put this all in context, because there's a ton of panic about this Wolverhampton match on our fan base. It's, it's Twitter, right? It's social media. There's always going to be, like, the loudest voices are never the, the most intelligent, typically, uh, but they, they kind of get the, the sheep behind them. But so the people are like, oh, wait, we can't play with a three-man back line, or, or at least, like, you know, if you don't have the, the goods out there, you shouldn't be doing it in this match. Bang, wrong. Like, I can't think of anything more wrong. This is the preseason. These are friendlies. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the whole team used to playing a certain way. We want to play a three-man back line, right? I promise I'd talk about tactics a little. We want to play a three-man back line so that we can have shifting lines, right? With three men back, your, your wing backs, if, if you're playing well, if you're playing against a weaker side or if you, if you have the momentum, they can push forward. And now you have a middle line of four guys that has more power behind it, right? And then they can shift even further forward, right? And then overlap with the guys up front, the wingers like Gazal, right? Rosie and Gazal have had a history of interchanging well. Right, but with the three-man back line, it allows you to do that way more comfortably. How many times have we overcome over the last know, decade, more? Have we seen guys like we're playing great, we're pressing, we're kind of maybe overcommitting to attack because we have that momentum and that confidence. And just one bad pass and a long ball over the back and just one central defender having a bit of a brain fart, reacting too slow, uh, making a bad contact with the ball, whatever, and bam, we've given away a goal, right? If instead of that one, like, if you have a three-man back line, one guy can screw up and you have two more guys back there to help him out, right? It just minimizes the impact of committing to different types of football, right? It allows dynamism. It allows sort of free-flowing football to occur where your lines can shift in various ways up and down the pitch. You can you can come back and defend with a full five-man back line if you need to, right? Even more, right? You can have the guys, your central midfielders come back and help out. You can, you can fully commit to defense if you need to. 
but you don't have to at all and you can fully commit to attack w without making subs right that's like of course what that means is that those wing backs are key they are pivotal to the whole thing working because they have they're the ones who have to be able to shift those lines again right rosier has had so much success already even without being kind of directed to do so shifting lines himself going forward interchanging with gazelle and that's the sort of football you want to see right and that's why I don't think anyone should be giving up on this three-man backline yet. Let it set, like, anything takes time. Evolution takes time. There's gonna be bumps along the road. You can't just expect perfection at every step. Uh, just winning outright against every team we come across. And let me put this in further context. And the reason I want to do that is because it's, it's significant. Evran, who's like, you know, our resident stat guy, compiled a list of the values of, of the teams we're coming up against, like of their players combined, right? The weakest opposition was Pilsen. And that was our most dominant game. We only drew, but it's because we were still trying to figure out our attack, right? A lot of pieces missing still. But we played pretty decent football. I mean, we really dominated the match, especially on the statistical side. Fine. Second um, least valuable side was Verde Bremen. Okay, great, we beat them. You know, our B side, or in fact, our academy players came on and flipped the game. But whatever. Um, in fact, no, I was wrong. Right, the second weakest side in terms of team value is, is actually Alaves, right? Because they were just relegated from La Liga last season. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we play pretty well in this next round. You know, knock on wood. Um, you know, we still have some things to figure out, obviously. Um, next, so the next up would be Werder Bremen, then Sampdoria, who have a 94.6 million euro squad value. Then Mainz, 117 million euro squad value. We beat them. That's the second strongest side as far as like having players. You know, I mean, this is a very superficial way of judging these teams, but just how it is transfer marked, you know, how they value, how the, the world superficially sees the, the, the ability of the players individually and combine those up, here's what you have. And finally, the most valuable side by a long stretch was the Wolves, Wolverhampton. 350 million euro squad value. Like more than double Mayans, the second second most valuable team, right? So like this was gonna be the hardest match of our preseason, first of all. And so there's something to take from the fact that, like for example, in the first 20, 25 minutes, we were the, the much better side. When we had that confidence and kind of that willingness to just play our football, and as soon as that goal was hit against us, I mean, not as soon. There were still a few minutes later where we were kind of just going back to how we were doing it, and then we kind of fell apart. But again, right, like we had our confidence hit and we didn't come back together. That's not good. And I think that's in, in large part because we had this crazy makeshift back line, right? The whole back line is not what you're going to see this season. Wellington, Nejip, and Rosier? Nope. No, no. Tyler Boyd and Umut Medash? Nope. And now we know, right? But anyway, what all this is, like what that whole friendly match showed us, is that we have a problem, and it's that we need a player. We need a left wing back. Um, and so, again, like I said, I put out the bat signal, and I have two fantastic dudes here to talk about that problem and what they think needs to be done. Um, so first, I, I'm, I always, when they're both sending in stuff, I alternate between who goes first. So it's Aaron's turn. That's right, folks. Aaron Armstrong, at Aaron E. Armstrong on Twitter, the famed Besiktas Twitter user, uh, is first. And he's going to let us know what he thinks about this left wing back problem. So, um, we've just lost Ridvan, uh, uh, he been wanting to leave for a while now, like, we knew that, like, eventually he would leave to play in Europe because that was his dream, like, he'd been vocal about it. Uh, so, like, it has been coming for a while now when, when we think about it. Uh, the problem here is that, like, uh, it didn't, it didn't come out of nowhere. We should have been prepared for this, and uh, definitely our left back right now. Uh, 
since Rudman left, Umut uh, is not enough to carry us through the whole season. Given that uh, Valerian Ismail's tactic is heavily dependent on the wing backs, so it's out of question that we need a proper left wing back right now. Like every fan or every person will state the same anyway. Um, so when we think about it now, like we have uh, we have some like, fair amount of time left in the window, anyways. So the the board and the, our director of football, Jane Kazanji, uh, should be in the market for some extra moves as well. Like that's what we've been hearing, anyways, from the reporters who are close to the board and been getting that information. Uh, for instance, uh, fanatic reporter Gutmann has stated that like we're at least planning to sign like we're planning to sign at least three players uh i think now that like one is uh coming from the um uh, actually forgot what team he was playing for oh yeah bandama sport yeah we just signed him for pretty much for good money and given that we're expecting him to perform uh he will be useful during the rotation and like for the rotation and everything during the season, I mean, uh, so like we have three strikers and they can rotate. We have Leka as well, who can be a makeshift striker as well. He's qualified to do that. We're expecting Ankudu to leave, according to the reports that just came out today. Um, I'm speaking on Sunday, <laughs> the 25th. Uh, as of now, like we're expecting to leave as well. I don't know what will happen in the coming days. Obviously, nothing's official just yet. But um, that means that we'll have fill our spot for a form player, which I expect the club to use for a left wing back. Uh, I don't know which names will be present, but for sure that we require someone who can play on both ends, who would be useful in the attack as well, not just a single-minded defender. We need someone who is quite auxiliary in that in that fashion, uh, who could play um, pretty much as a winger, uh, per the qualifications, so to speak. So um, right now, given that like we've already used that one spot for the striker, we have like two more signings to come. I expect one to come for the left wing besides the wing back at least when we we're talking about Cabral uh, it was pretty much done deal now that Enkudu's left I'm expecting that move to go through uh, besides that we also have some like foreigners fill up the quarter but could leave uh, such as Boyd uh, depending on that move as well uh, we might see a foreign left back which I believe that will be our next move just as I stated um, and then, like, we'll see what happens. Basically, it's it's really a blank space right now. Like, we don't know what's what's to come. We don't know which names are being discussed. We're pretty much left <laughs> in the dark as fans right now. Like, normally, usually, uh, the club was expecting to move to go through. Like, before Rangers, there was Eintracht Frankfurt. So, Rigmon was expected to leave anyways. And, like, the, there was this le uh, left winger from uh, Alliance Sport, Typho. Uh, which was being discussed as the next signing, as a potential signing, but I don't think at this point, like, uh, he'd be a good replacement. So the club, I'm guessing in their mind, they really want to use that extra foreigner spot for a good left wing back, given that the tactic is heavily dependent on the wing backs. So, especially in the last game against Wolves, our defense was heavily lacking, and like, I'm pretty sure that, like, the club and the technical team and the manager also that and they've, they've been discussing this and about what to do in the end it's, it was a friendly but nevertheless uh, we saw our deficiencies and like what we were lacking uh, our defense is heavily lacking as i've just said uh, okay size will come we've just signed emery john uh, those players will fit in but like we basically we need at least two two signings for the defense one, one being uh, the left wing back at least one central defender uh who would be preferably turkish 
given that the quota is still in place. But depending on what we're planning to do with the squad and who's leaving, we might get another foreigner there. But like that's the plan moving along pretty much for the next couple of weeks, which the transfer window will be still open. So with the game upcoming in like 14 days, if I recall correctly, the first game of the season, I mean, uh, we have some big, big work to do. Uh, but in the end, I'm confident in the manager and the system we're trying to impl uh, implant uh, because, like we saw, we saw, like we've seen what it can do against like major teams in friendlies. So if we can employ the tactic correctly with quality players, I'm pretty sure that like we'll be in for thrill this season. I'm optimistic. So we shall see, and. Like next week or like in two weeks time, we'll have a much clear picture of what we're going to do this season. Very nice. Thank you so much, Aaron. Again, on Twitter, that's at Aaron E. Armstrong, A-A-R-O-N-E-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G. Um, the... Yeah, he's very active, often talking about Besiktas on Twitter. Good follow, obviously, for any Besiktas fan. And thank you, as always, for, for imparting us with your wisdom, your thoughts. And so next up, of course, is the indomitable Khan Bayazid, um, live from Belgium. Uh, he is at Razarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. And yeah, uh, I asked him the same question. What, what do you think about the, this left wing back situation? And oftentimes, Khan and Aaron have similar though differing viewpoints, and so we get to hear a little bit of diversity. Let's see what our old friend Khan Bayazid had to say about this very same problem. So with Ridwell's departure now, we really do need to start looking for replacements. We've seen in the friendlies already that Mut Merash, when it comes to going forward, he's not uh, the best option. Uh, the last friendly match we saw was on Akun in the position, um, an actual forward. Uh, he did pretty decently going forward, but of course, you know, like 45 minutes or whatever that was of the sample size, it's not enough to uh, decide uh, half of the season on, are we going to go with him? So that's definitely something we have to fill in. Typhoon Bingul has been uh, talked about for a good while and really ever since we played Alanya, uh, you know, in the second half of the season and he put in a good performance. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's uh, not an amazing option to have really. Uh, I mean, look, he's clearly had a, a good career in the second division and in the Super League. Um, if you look at his statistics, he has a high assist and goal uh, ratio uh, because obviously he's usually more a left midfielder rather than a uh, left back, but uh, he could function as a good left wing back. Um, but if he's starter material, I, I have my doubts. Again, if you look at his career, even at Alanya Spor, like... Uh, Two seasons ago, I think he was even loaned out to Buxaspor. Man's 29 years old, you know. Um, it's not like he's a spring chicken. So, I have my doubts if he has trouble establishing himself at Alanya Spor. Why would he be a starter for Besiktas, right? Squad depth-wise, I think he'd be good. Um, but, again... Uh, 29 years old, do you really want to spend your money on that? I think the money that we're getting for Ridvan now needs to be spent carefully. Um, and I, I would find it very uh, sad, really, if we would spend a decent amount of that money on uh, on someone like, like Typhoon. No disrespect to Typhoon, but just, you know, profile-wise, you know, 29 years old, um, never really... A, a big starter for for Turkish clubs like yeah he's, he's he's a guy that you put in as a as a utility player to put in a shift but um, yeah I mean anything under a million euros I guess 
is somewhat acceptable but if you hear you know the what they are apparently demanding is two million i think that's absolutely ludicrous shouldn't even be a conversation being had um if that is if that is the case and in terms of offering them a player i, I honestly don't really know who we could offer them uh, maybe tyler boyd but i kind of like tyler boyd in the preseason i mean as you know i've always kind of liked him anyway um, and I, I really do think that with this system and with uh, Valerie Ismail that uh, Tyler Bird can be a useful player. Uh, we also saw against Wolves and we saw against um, Mainz, I think, that he uh, played as, as, a, as, a, as a right wing back for a while. Um, and he did pretty good in that. Um, you know, against Wolves, I mean, obviously fans are kind of panicked because of the, the end result. But really, if you look at the first 15, 20 minutes and you look at the second half against Mainz, you can really see what the plan is for this season. And uh, it, it looks really, really promising. I don't think that, you know, the way the Wolves ma match uh, went because of a mistake at the back, uh, a really bad back pass from Najib that Essin uh, 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 did poorly with. Um, I, that led to the 1-0 and... That kind of woke Wolves up because before that they were literally not leaving their half. We had completely uh, locked them into their own half, and you also have to question yourself, you know, wonder to yourself, like, look, Wolves is a, in theory, a team of uh, 300 million pounds or something like that. Like, how many opponents like that are we realistically going to come across this season? You know, we're not in Europe. Um, in, within Turkey, I don't think we're going to. Uh, come across many teams that can play out from under the pressure that we're putting. If you look at the second half against Mainz, if you look at those first 20 or so minutes against Wolves, like the pressure forward is being put on them to play out from the back. Not a lot of teams are going to be able to cope with that in Turkey right now. Of course, the big question is how long can we maintain that intensity throughout the game? Um, but I think the team... Uh, it consists out of a lot of uh, players that have really good natural fitness. And then on top of that, of course, they've been uh, drilled quite uh, intensively during the preseason. They're going to be ready. Um, I don't really agree with this uh, whole, oh, we should go back to four at the back and we need to do something else and blah, and blah. No, look, we've been preparing the entire, the last couple of months, really, you know, since Palerian's man has been in charge. Uh, to go and play three at the back this new season. And Ismail has shown plenty of uh, flexibility in terms of the, the shape of the lineup. Uh, he's perfectly willing to play with three, two forwards. He's play, willing to play with two wingers. Um, he has tried a lot of different players in different roles. He has discovered talents for players that I think everyone was writing off already like Kenan, right? Um there's plenty of flexibility there, but he is holding on to his tree at the back. And I find, you know, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. I find that it, within Turkey, it kind of seems like uh, people are reacting like people were in the 1800s when the trainer was introduced. You know, they're afraid that that tree at the back is going to have the cows give sour milk or something. It's really quite a common tactic uh, in the top five European leagues. And there's no such thing as this won't work in Turkey. It can most definitely work in Turkey. In fact, if you can uh, get it to work, you can probably dominate the league because it's a modern way of play. There's a reason why top teams play these, these sorts of lineups nowadays because football has evolved. And, uh, yeah, you... You will, you will be hard pressed to find teams that still win uh, that still win anything with four four two. You know, I mean, in in in, in the top leagues in Europe. Um, that said, of course, we need to have the right material for this tactic. And in order to play three four three or three four two one, uh, we of course need a good left wing back. Um, and, and we need to invest in quality there. But with Jose's injury, it's looking more and more likely like we'll have an extra truck in midfield. You know, of course, Emi Hall is going to make his minutes regardless. Uh, and now with uh, Joseph being out for two and a half months, Sali uh, really has stepped up during the preseason camp. He's looked impressive. So we're going to have Sali or Emi Hall in the center of midfield anyway. Um, Emre Can hopefully works out. 
um, that's a defender at the back. And then Exin, so that's our three Turks. And now we also have Cheng that will play uh, pretty often, probably, uh, up front. Um, so we do have the possibility to fill in that left wing back position with a foreigner. Uh, I personally have no clue who they will go for. I would personally like us to go for Fasnak, though. Not that he's a left wing back, but I think if you look at his profile, if you look at his career, you know, he can really add a lot to the team. Uh, he can play in pretty much any offensive position. He can play on the left. He can play on the right. Uh, he can play pro. I mean, he can probably play as a wing back. I am not 100% sure about that. Uh, you'll probably not get the most out of him, though, because his, his real strength seem to be in, uh, in the offensive third. And as the wing back, you're going to have to defend a lot, but... He's, he definitely seems like an interesting player. Although now with Philippe Kenny, uh, he's going to be the replacement for Josh Kevin Kudu. But, you know, we have brought in quite a lot of offensive players already. So I don't know if, if Fasnacht is still on the agenda. I hope he is because I really think that he could be um, the... How should I put it? Like, uh, the steal of, of the transfer window. Like, the one that goes under the radar but that ends up, you know, being most successful. Um, although I think Muleka is going to be pretty good as well. But yeah, uh, the, the left wing back is obviously the priority at the moment. Um, I'm not so convinced about this, this we need a right center back uh, thing. You know, we have a lot of options at center back. Um, ideally, you want a right foot at center back there, of course, but I think we have options. And also because Wellington made a couple of mistakes in the preseason, you know, we've, we've, we we know what we, we get from Wellington. He's serviceable enough, uh, and for the league, he's enough. Uh, of course, if we end up winning the league or if we end up, you know, second or third or something, we qualify for Europe next season, we'll need to put somebody else there. But you can't expect uh, every position to be filled in one transfer window. That's just not realistic. Right now, we've really done our homework transfer wise we've gotten the players that we need pretty much um and we gotten the the key signings i don't think that the rcb position is a, is a top top priority and uh, right now i think just we need to get the left wing back and then uh, if we can get fast snacked on top of that i think that will be uh, some great business of course you know i wouldn't uh, say no to someone like khan ihan but at the same time you're paying four or five million euros for him then um and we did well we're getting what six and a half million with, with bonuses for for good bonus or basically spending all the good money money then on Khan Ihan. i think we're better off um getting a good left wing back for like three and a half million or something like that or, or get fast like you know you can get two players for the money we get for good bond if you get a Khan Ihan, you only get one player basically so yeah uh, last but not least i wish Ridvan all the best for the Glasgow Rangers, I really hope he does well there. I, I am convinced that he, he can because, of course, he's a good player and uh, the Scottish League is not that uh, big of a step. Um, the main adjustment for him will just be cultural. Uh, he'll need to get used to a different lifestyle, different language, different mentality of people. But uh, Scotland can be a great opportunity for him. I think Rangers are a great club. And I really hope that uh, that Ridvan flourishes there, and that in a couple of seasons, Fishers get to make some more money on him when he moves to the Premier League or something like that. Yes, there it is. And so you see, neither one of these guys differs much. The consensus is that we need to make a move. Neither of these guys, additionally. He's hitting the panic button. I don't know if you, I don't know if you got, gathered that from these two, but neither one of them is saying, Istifa, you know, get Big Val out of here. Bring back Chanel Gunesh, right? And that's a huge chorus on Twitter. And, and frankly, I'm just going to put this out there. We're not a club, but we're not, as followers, we're not supposed to be about individuals, right? Like, I think there's a, like the difference between an opinion and an agenda, right? Like, my opinion was that I wasn't a big fan of Burakumaz, he wouldn't succeed, right? And I turned out to be wrong. And I was thrilled about that. And I readily acknowledged it because you don't want to be right when your team is bringing in a guy who you think is not going to do well, right? 
So he did great, and I was thankful. That was an opinion, and it was a wrong. I was it was a wrong take, right? I owned up to that. Now, an agenda is something that, like, where your opinion doesn't it doesn't end when you're wrong, or even right, I suppose. But like, when you almost want to be right more than you want what's best for your team, right? Where like you think that we need this coach, whether it's Sergei Yeltsin or. Shane Ogunesh, or whoever it is from the past, the Slavin Bilic, right? And because you're so dead set on that guy being the right guy for our club, you are rooting against the club in the short term so that, that what's happening now gets ousted and you get your way. Right? People are like, oh, get rid of the three-man back line. As I said, that's ridiculous. We've literally purchased a whole host of players around playing this way. We've given Valerian Ismail now the chance to implement his system. People are like, oh, if, he, if we're not successful by match day four, he's gotta go. Uh, what? Like, it's a whole season, right? The season is much longer than four matches, and you can easily get your crap together again after four matches, even if they're terrible matches. We, like, in our championship run, we had a slow start. I don't know, like, under Sergei Yeltsin, remember? And we got it together. I mean, often that's the case with Besiktas, that we have phenomenal second halves of the season. Um, I'm not saying we should be doing that, of course. You'd like for us to, to hit the ground running, have no problems, no hiccups, just the perfect, right? Everyone just adopts the new system perfectly with no adjustment period, no growing pains, and that's it. We don't even have to worry. But, like, is that a realistic outcome? Come on. Everyone needs to chill out. First of all, we just lost a friendly match with a fully makeshift backline, right? The, the, the key signing, and I said this at the time, was probably Romain Seiss, right? Where the three-man backline is the key aspect, besides the wingbacks, right? You need a good, solid three-man backline so that those wingbacks can freely get upfield. We haven't seen that three-man backline yet. Even Wellington, right? Like, Montero was injured. Ismail often gave Montero the, the, the start over Wellington. And I've always said that that's my... Right? Even if they're like... If Wellington is like nominally better now, Montero is so much younger that he can like improve and make us a lot of money. Right? Supposedly we were already getting like a six million offer from, from Sevilla right before they got Marcao. Um, I don't know if that's very f factual. You never quite know. But point being... He has that capacity, right? He's young enough, he's good enough, and he can actually keep developing, as he's done thus far. He has progressively played better and better for us. So, I don't think we've even seen close to our actual back, the three-man backline, right? It's gonna be Saiz, Montero, or Wellington, and Emnejan, who's only now played like 11 minutes for us so far in a friendly and he was really solid everyone seems to have thought that i agree so people need to relax like put your take your finger away from the panic button put the little plastic case back over it you know what i'm saying go out for a walk drink a glass of water you know maybe sit on your balcony if you have one or whatever that's like the like scenario is for you right get some fresh air relax we have two friendlies left, right? Should be fun. I'm certainly looking forward to them. There are a lot of questions that need to be answered, but let's have fun with it. Our next match, we're considered the away side. We're playing Deportivo Alaves tomorrow. That is July 26th. It's at 1 p.m. here in New York City on the Eastern coast of the United States. Check your local listings. Um, after that, we're not done yet. We have another friendly still. Sampdoria on Saturday, July 30th. We're considered the home team. It's scheduled now at noon here locally. Again, check your local listings. And that can change. Those things have been fluid. If you hear the thunder and lightning out there, again, right? That's just the weather telling us the strife. The, the Here's our, our issue. Can we overcome it? I think the answer is yes, folks. Don't worry. All we need is a left wing back. It's not a huge issue. Oh yeah, and supposedly we're looking to offload George Kevin and Kudu. 
another little late breaking news thing there, but hopefully, I don't know if we need to do that. Hopefully we don't have to. Oh, and of course, as Aaron alluded to, Besiktas has purchased a player from Bandirmaspor. Uh, he's a striker. 23-year-old Senegalese forward, Philippe Kenny. Uh, quite a successful spell at Bandirma. Lower level. We'll see how he does. He's young enough that he can... I mean, he's obviously for the bench. He can play behind Veghorst and Jank Tosin. Even Muleka, right? Jackson Muleka. You know, sometimes we play the two men up front. He's one of those guys. So he's, he's a bench option, but he's young enough at 23 that he can potentially maybe develop into something more. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, so yeah, a little bit of news there, right? Maybe we're letting go of Unkudu. It seems like we're bringing in this Kenny fellow. Uh, we don't know what the deal is with Fasnacht anymore, or, or Giovanni Cabral. We'll wait for more on that. We could use some depth on the wing still. Um, but yeah. Uh, all in all, the main thing is we need a left wing back. And, and there's some question about whether we need another central defender. Uh, Aaron seems to suggest we do. Again, I, I'm alright with Montero, frankly, but you know, if we can make an upgrade, uh, if we can get some more depth, especially on the Turkish side, Emirhan Topçu, for example, why not? Might as well give it a go, right? Low risk, low reward. You probably won't be too expensive, you hope. Uh, we're playing hardball with that. Um, also, I mean, like, I've long said that I would love if we could get, like, Khan Ayhan or. Uh, Kordai Gunter, right? There, there's talk of Khan Ihan, but I think it was like fanatic, so let's not even really give it the light of day. But anyway, I mean that's that's the last like straggling bits of pieces of news and whatnot. Let's round this thing out. Anyway, stay tuned for more. As always, follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow our first guest, Aaron Armstrong, at Aaron E. Armstrong. Follow our second guests and they're both really even co-hosts they shouldn't call them guests anymore uh, and of course Khan is a long time co-host so that's almost even disrespectful but yeah follow him at Razarian R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot uh, follow us on Instagram Black Eagles Podcast one word and as always let's go Besiktas this is going to be a fun season. Like, it's a mystery. We have no idea what's going to happen. Everyone is coming into this one like, you know, we don't know what we're coming up against. Should be fantastic. I'm thrilled. And I'm excited to see what we do with these last two preseason friendly. So many questions. So many guys that need to, to slide into this rotation, you know, uh, maybe score for a goal. You know, a couple things to get their uh, morale up. But hopefully we'll find it. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.